travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 51, Volunteering While Traveling. Voluntourism, a combination of volunteering and tourism, has become quite popular in recent decades as many travelers are no longer content to simply take only photographs and leave only footprints. They want to make a difference in the communities they visit. The subject is not without some points of contention, however. There's long been a debate about volunteering in orphanages, some of which are simply money-making ventures, and many organizations that offer volunteerism experiences charge incredibly high fees to connect travelers with causes. The larger argument against volunteering while traveling is that there are locals who can do the job better, and if you really want to help, you should donate to a reputable organization and let them do the work. Today we'll chat with an expert on the subject, James Sutherland, who works with one of the most successful and admired NGOs in Southeast Asia, Friends International. So this is Scott Coates in Bangkok, Thailand, and I'm recording with my trusty partner. Hey Scott, Trevor Ranges here from Jakarta, Indonesia. Yeah, after so many episodes together, we are now separated by an ocean and a country, huh? Yeah, you know, this is the, the way the show started out, pretty much, with mm-hmm. you and I in, yeah. in different locations and our guest in a third location. And uh, I yeah. guess that's one of the things that makes Talk Travel Asia special, is that we're always traveling while we're doing the shows. We are, yeah. So this is a subject I know that we've talked about, like, probably for a couple of years and we just never got around to recording it. So, uh, I mean, there's no right or wrong here. I don't want a whole bunch of hate email. There's just opinions, but it, I think that the tide has definitely over the last few years come into like, you shouldn't do this kind of travel. Well, you know, it's tricky. And, and this has been a very contentious subject, I think amongst a, a lot of travelers and people in the travel organization. Now I'm a big proponent of doing volunteer work, um, in your day-to-day life for sure. Um, but I have found over the years that it is challenging to find volunteering opportunities while you travel. Uh, Back before I became Mm -hmm. a travel writer, I had tried to find opportunities such as this. And and you're right, like you were saying in the intro, there's lots of organizations that will do it for you, but it costs thousands of dollars. So that that hardly seems like like volunteering to me. Um, At the same time, yes, there's a huge problem with, you know, these organizations that seem like they're volunteer organizations but they're they're more scams or, or they're set up just to try and make money rather than uh, do any sort of good for a community yeah i mean it's a really really murky industry and on one hand it's super cool that travel has opened up people's minds to actually what's going on in other countries and raise their consciousness because i think most people wanting to like assist quote unquote or help uh, have good intentions. That's pretty cool. But you know, back in the day when I was involved in a travel company, we had seven community programs that we just administered on our own. And at one point, we were approached by a UK organization who specialized in kind of gap year trips. And we actually worked with them and sent some people to a given sanctuary and another one to a government run orphanage. And I think we did it in a way that was good and pretty undisruptive but you know the end of the day there were a lot of high fees uh, to the volunteer from the uk organization 
But then again, they have employees, they're paying rent in London. And I know that the volunteer was often kind of confused. And when they'd get here, they said, oh, everything's so cheap in Thailand. Why did I pay so much? And you're like, hey, there's there's multiple layers of people doing work. And at the end of the day, too, if if you wanted the cheap experience, you could have researched and found an organization and emailed with them in a remote location and teed it up on your own. So for us, we didn't do it very long. We got out of it, but I could see right away kind of, wow, the, the multifaceted potential problems with it. Yeah. You know, we had intended to have my friend John Fiddler on today and uh, it's too bad that they couldn't join us, but you know, they yeah. did a real do it yourself. Uh, volunteerism adventure because uh, he's a veterinarian and they wanted to work with different veterinary centers um, around Asia while they were traveling and that's pretty cool if you have that specific type of expertise Um, but if Mm -hmm. you're a teacher or you're a nurse or something like that I think uh, a lot of those types of people would like to do volunteerism but it's hard for them to, to find organizations um, now, I think that's changing a bit uh, now with the Internet and stuff. You know, there's, there's new pop up kind of, you know, in search of Sanook and Hivester, uh, which, again, try to connect people or set up opportunities for expats um, and tourists to get involved in like kind of day trip volunteerism. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully we can put some links to that kind of stuff at the end of our show notes, which are always online at TalkTravelAsia.com. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that volunteerism can be done properly, but it's less common than common, I think. You really have to do some serious, serious homework before embarking on such an experience. I mean, in a nutshell, I think it's really difficult to connect qualified people with organizations in need. And then more importantly, that that organization has the proper staff and manpower to properly integrate volunteers into the organization without taking time away from the day-to-day duties of the staff and the things they're trying to do. And I think that that's the key thing is often if people are going to volunteer somewhere, well, it's somewhere where the place or the organization is underfunded, understaffed. So this, let's say, person from America comes, they have no idea about the customs, let's just say in Thailand, and then the people in this you know, aid organization have to somehow try and school them on the customs and whatnot, but also integrate them and essentially train them as a staff member, which typically usually takes away from their time doing the work they're actually supposed to do. So I know that that's kind of the biggest argument outside of organizations try and make money is that you're actually really, really disrupting things. It, it's true. That's true. And then one of the big... Uh easy quote-unquote uh volunteerism experiences is working in these orphanages around the region mm. and and some of these I'm, I'm sure there's legitimate orphanages that need help and yeah and i'm sure that uh you know i've been through my national geographic work to some like shelters for disadvantaged kids and stuff and they really appreciate having uh, foreigners come there and speak english with them engage um, but sure. a lot of these quote-unquote volunteer organizations in in cambodia let's say um, what they do is like the kids aren't orphans. Like the parents will, the <laughs> yeah. parents will send their kids there um, to relieve the financial burden on themselves because they know that this orphanage is making money, pretending to be an orphanage, and, and maybe gives kickbacks to the family to like rent their kid or take care of their kid. Seriously, yeah. So. And and so by your volunteering, you're actually helping perpetuate this problem. 
Yeah, well, hey, let's uh, chat with our guest and learn a bit more. James Sutherland is the International Communication Coordinator at Friends International, a Phnom Penh, Cambodia-based social enterprise which powers the Child Safe Movement, an award-winning global cause protecting children and youth around the world. In this role, James has been extensively involved in the development of responsible tourism strategies with a child-centered focus and in developing tools which allow businesses to generate income through taking an active part in sustainable and social causes. He joins us today via Skype from Phnom Penh. Thanks so much uh, for joining us today, James. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So, James, uh, first things first, where are you originally from and how did you end up working and living in Cambodia? I'm originally from Scotland, uh, the ah. far north of Scotland, yeah, mm -hmm. a place called Thurso. And um, I ended up here through my wife, who had been a volunteer in Cambodia in the 1990s. Okay. I always wanted to go back, and then uh, the opportunity arose for her to go back, and uh, yeah, I just, I just took the chance to move over here, pretty much doing the same kind of work as I was doing in, in the UK, working with uh, vulnerable, marginalized young people, cool. uh, but in a very different context in Cambodia. Yeah. All right. Okay, you know, I was going to ask about, you know, your, your work, but before we move on, that's very interesting that you ended up in Cambodia because your wife was doing volunteer work yes, there. Yes. How did she find out about that opportunity? Um, she, was, she was working with the VSO, and it was one of these things, it's, it's a long time ago, it was back in the late 80s, um, and at that time, Cambodia was emerging from the, the years of conflict, the years of uh, genocide. And in fact, she was actually attending a festival, a festival um, in, in the UK called WOMAD, World of Music and Dance. And she saw the Cambodian troupe performing at that, the dance troupe, um, Cambodian classical dance. And she was fascinated by this and fascinated by the recent history of the country. So she looked into opportunities for volunteering. And VSO, which is uh, one of the major UK uh, voluntary organizations, they were looking for people to place in Cambodia at the time. So... That's how she ended up here. So um, can you tell us a little bit uh, about Friends International? We're familiar with it, but for our listeners out there, what is Friends International? What do you guys do? Well, essentially, we're, we're a social enterprise. Um, what we do is we try and get young people who are disadvantaged, who uh, lack opportunities, who are in difficult life situations. We try and get them back uh, into society as functional, productive citizens. And we do that through supporting them uh, with education, access to education, um, with vocational training uh, for employment, also by supporting their families too. This is a very important part of what we do is we don't just look at the young person in isolation. We look at their family situation, their community situation, and we try and support the families to be able to um, put their kids to school, for example, um, and also communities. We look at we look at trying to provide opportunities for communities also. Um, so we, we we use a mixture of outreach work, so going out onto the streets um, into communities. We do centre-based work, um, little centres within communities, bigger centres in cities. Uh, we do child protection work. This is a very big part of what we do is okay. creating protective environments ah. for these children, and young people too. So it's a mixture of, it's a kind of holistic approach towards getting young people out of difficult situations and back as functioning and productive members of society. Wow. Um, now, to the best of my knowledge, I don't believe that you guys accept any sort of volunteer, for volunteerism 
for, for people traveling to Cambodia, um, but perhaps you know a bit about it because it coincides with your work. Um, there, there are a lot of people who end up doing like this uh, orphanage volunteering in Cambodia. Um, yeah. What do you think, what, what's the, what do you attribute to the rise in popularity of this type of volunteerism in, in Cambodia? I think it's because essentially people are becoming more educated about the world and about global situations. And particularly young people, they also feel they want to do something, they want to give back. Um, they, they may feel that they come themselves from um, not a, maybe not a privileged background, but from one where they've had opportunities and they've had chances in their lives. And they feel they want to do something uh, positive to help others who maybe lack those opportunities. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. You know, we, we, we think volunteering is wonderful. Um, we do, in fact, have volunteers at Friends, but they, they come with very strict criteria. Um, it's volunteering in situations where you lack the skills, where you lack the abilities, and where possibly you're actually going to contribute to harmful situations. That's what we, we don't like and what we're trying to... Um, we're trying to get people to think about it we're, through our campaigns and through sharing messages about responsible tourism and responsible volunteering we're trying to get people to stop and think right is what i'm doing is it actually good uh for the people for the country that i'm, that I'm trying to help um i'd also give alternatives you know if, if if we're saying this kind of volunteering is wrong then what what can people do what can they do to help uh help these young people and children. So I know that the larger Friends organization has some restaurants, they have some craft shops, uh, they have a presence here in Thailand, as well as, you know, many entities in Cambodia. But I know one of their arms is yes. the Child Safe movement. And I know that you've been very involved in that. What is the Child Safe movement, James? Yeah, Child Safe is essentially um, child protection. And it's about involving all of us in child protection, because we all have a, a lot of... Um, we have a shared responsibility, actually, to protect our children. Okay. So ChildSafe grew out of the Friends programs about 11 years ago, mm -hmm. where we were looking at how do we implement child protection within the communities we're working in. And then we, we thought, actually, the responsibility is in the communities. So let's train key people in the community to be child protection agents. Right. The kind of people we selected were people like taxi drivers uh, here in Cambodia, tuk-tuk drivers. Um, in Indonesia, Bekak drivers. Why these people? Well, essentially, they're the eyes and ears of a community. Mm -hmm. They're on the streets, they're around often 24 hours a day. They know what's going on, they know what's happening. Uh, they're very, they're naturally very nosy. So they, they're curious to find out what's going on in, the, in, their, in their community. So they're the ideal people to train to be child safe agents and so what does that mean be a child safe agent like what are they actually doing they're just listening and watching and letting you know what about pedophiles or what yeah all kinds of risks actually um they are trained to be able to spot when children are at risk of all kinds of abuses not just potentially uh, from sexual predators but you know kids who are in in the streets who are in amongst traffic um anything really. They're trained to be able to recognize it and to respond appropriately. So that's either contacting our teams, finding safe houses. Uh, these, these people know what to do. From that community-based initiative, uh, Chelsea grew. It really grew to become not just a local initiative, but an international one, because we realized too that travelers coming into countries, uh, particularly developing countries such as Cambodia, 
um, they're often unaware oh, okay. of um, positively, uh, sorry, they're often aware of, of perhaps non-positive outcomes right. for their uh, for their behavior. So we developed um, something called the seven tips for travelers. Huh. And the seven tips for travelers are seven pieces of advice uh, for tourists and for travelers. And, and they talk about things that people will actually see and confront on a day-to-day basis. So they talk about uh, what do you do when you, when you are confronted by begging children, for example? Um, should you be visiting orphanages or schools? Um, if you see children working, what should you do? So there's seven pieces okay. of advice there. And uh, also contact hotlines so that if you do see something or if you're concerned about something, you can call and report it. Okay, so then the, the child safe guidelines help give people some advice on, you know, beware of orphanage volunteering, etc. Um, what do you see then as, as the best way for tourists to find volunteerism opportunities in Cambodia? I think you have to really do your research. Um, we have a website also for ChildSafe, thinkchildsafe.org. And on that, there's a specific section on how you can be a ChildSafe volunteer. And what we suggest is, is you look at, firstly, right, look at yourself. What, what can you actually do? Do you have transferable skills? Um, if so, consider transferring those to local staff um, rather than working directly with children. I mean, one thing we do say uh, on our website is we'd rather that people didn't work directly with children. If you're not a trained child care professional, then please don't volunteer with children. They need, they need a professional level of help and care and support. But there are many other things you can do. You can seek out organizations that um, need administration support, for example, or may need support in setting up websites or, or other uh, tasks that they, they lack the skills or capacity for. Um, you can support organizations. You don't necessarily have to volunteer. You can actually support organizations which are uh, trying to break cycles of poverty that lead young people onto the streets or lead families to give up their children into care. Um, there are many social enterprises across Cambodia. Cambodia is, is not just a mm. kingdom of wonder, it's a kingdom wow. of NGOs. There are over 3,000 in the country. And many of them are doing very good work um, in communities, um, building communities' capacity to, to be economically stronger. So they're, you know, they are running um, businesses selling souvenirs, that kind of thing. There's um, businesses running training restaurants, like our training restaurants. That's a great way of actually being able to contribute to um, young people's futures whilst also enjoying a nice meal and in a nice surroundings. So there's many, many ways. We suggest people go and have a look at the the website and it will get them thinking and get them thinking, well, how can I really help? I mean, the classic example I can kind of think of is is teenagers going to, quote unquote, build a school or or do something when they have no construction skills and they get really sweet pictures of them with little kids. And I think you've kind of touched on it, but but why is Friends International kind of overall against people aiming to volunteer while traveling as their main reason for traveling? Well, it's, it's again, really, we're not saying don't volunteer. We're saying think carefully about what you're doing. You know, will it actually have an impact? And will that impact be a positive impact? Because, uh, you know, we all know the stories of schools being built, um, no teachers for the schools then, roads being built, and then the roads surfaces being dug up by the locals and rebuilt again because the volunteers weren't, they didn't, they lacked the skills to be able to do it properly. So, yeah, think about what you're going to do. Um, is it really going to have a positive impact in that community or on those young people? 
Think about the situation. Don't necessarily assume, for example, that all orphanages are good. Because we know from experience in Cambodia and in other countries that many orphanages are actually exploiting children. Uh, they're using children as a means of generating okay. donations, and the donations are not necessarily then being used to help those right. children. So we basically ask people to think. Um, as I said before, volunteering is great, but let's do it properly. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting, again, that you ended up going to Cambodia because your wife was fortunate enough to, to find a good organization. Um, I found it difficult um, when I was younger and trying to find such opportunities for myself. Um, but like you said, if you do your homework and you do your research, when I was writing for National Geographic, that's all I was doing. So I happened to be yeah. fortunate in that circumstance to find better opportunities. Um, but it's good to know that you have some guidelines and information for people on your website because because uh, friends is a, a great organization are there any others that you're aware of in, in cambodia or southeast asia that um, maybe don't necessarily provide volunteerism opportunities but are good sources of information because we were suggesting that people could even like donate to, to groups um, rather than try and get involved themselves yeah absolutely and and, and again um, what we've tried to do with this child safe website is make it a a, a one-stop resource uh, for everybody, really, in terms of um, being child protective in your approaches. So it's for tourists with the seven tips on it. We have information for businesses if businesses themselves want to become uh, child safe in their practices. And in the uh, travel section there, we have information about other organizations that you might want to look into, you might want to support. Um, some of them NGOs, some of them uh, running training restaurants, some of them hotels. Uh, there's a wide range of, of um, organizations listed on our website. Uh, but again, we say to people, you know, you go in there, you check them out. And if you like what they do, then consider supporting them. Hey, James, is there sort of a minimum amount of time that people should consider volunteering to ensure that they're going to have a positive impact rather than burdening the organizations that they're trying to help? I mean, I just think of people parachuting in for a couple of days or a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that an impractical amount of time? Is there sort of a standard that you guys have as a benchmark? Yeah, for friends, we insist for our own programs on a minimum of three months commitment. Um, about one month of that, time will be taken up on getting to know friends, getting to know the complexities of the organization, uh, where we work, how we work, uh, what we do, how we do it. Um, so that's that's our benchmark is three months. Uh, obviously, there can be situations where if you have if you have um, specific skills, for example, doctors, dentists, etc., you know, they often come in for shorter periods of time and they can still have a great and positive impact in that time. But generally, we think at least uh, three months commitment is needed. I was just wondering, going back to kind of the seven tips that people should be aware of, um, do, do those include any sort of like warning signs or potential red flags that volunteers should look for when, when looking at a project that they might want to volunteer with? Well, and yeah, we actually have a very specific seven tips for volunteers as well. Um, we have the seven tips for tourists and they are focused on those who are, are traveling um, to developing countries. And then for the volunteers, the, the tips basically we have are, are, number one, do your research, as we mentioned, before arriving in a country. Number two, we say, please don't work directly with children. Number three is stay at least for three months. Uh, number four is ensure that the best interests of the beneficiaries, that's your primary focus. You know, it's not about you. It's about these people that you are setting out to help. Um, the fifth tip is transfer your skills to local staff. 
So if you have those transferable skills, transfer them. Then when you leave, when you go back home, you're leaving knowledge, you're leaving capacity there in, in the local staff. Um, tip number six is to make sure your volunteering is sustainable for the local organizations and communities. So you're not just parachuting in and leaving and that's it. There's some sustainable impact there. And number seven is stay humble and be ready to learn. You know, you're going to obviously get something out of this uh, experience yourself. So, so enjoy it. Yeah. And those seven tips you can find uh, again on the, on the ChildSafe, thinkchildsafe.org website. Wow, those are great. And we'll provide links to uh, that site on our show notes. Now, are there certain countries in Southeast Asia, James, that are better to volunteer in, than others? Or are there certain countries in the region that people should be more cautious about than others? I think um, generally you should be you should be cautious about how you volunteer full stop, you know. But there are obviously countries where there are um, in Cambodia, for example, we have this issue with orphanages where there has been a, a, a huge growth in orphanages over the last ten years, uh, linked to the increasing numbers of tourists actually coming into the country. And we know that many of these orphanages are fake orphanages. They are they are basically exploiting children to make money. And in the process, they're, they're breaking families up because 80% of the children in Cambodian uh, orphanages actually have living parents. So, so this, is, this, is a, you know, this is one hmm. bad situation. I think there's been a great deal of discussion following the terrible earthquakes in Nepal about the situation there too, you know, where children are being trafficked into orphanages. Wow. So again, exercise caution uh, you know, if you're going to be planning um, going to Nepal to volunteer. Um, we have a lot of requests from organizations in the Indian subcontinent. So I think there's a lot of issues there too with perhaps um, children in institutional care who may be being exploited rather than actually being supported. Uh, but generally, you know, it's, it's something that we, again, we say to people, just don't just go in there blindly, actually check it out beforehand, check out what the situation is, um, huh. look at the organization you're planning to volunteer with, uh, make sure that they make sure that they've got some basic stuff in place that they're actually um, able to quantify what they do and the impact of what they do and that they have policies and procedures around their work with children that include child protection uh, and also that they're transparent you know that if you're going to be for example fundraising for them where's that money going are they are they providing you with audited accounts that, that kind of thing Wow, you know, you're such a great resource of information here. I'm really glad we did this podcast. Um, you. you know, Friends International keeps amazing me on all the different things that you do. Uh, one of the really creative campaigns that you had a few years ago was called uh, Children Are Not Tourism Attractions. Um, can yes. you tell us a little bit about that campaign and, and the effect of it? Yeah, I mean, that actually evolved from the concerns over the... Um the rising number of orphanages and, and people visiting them. And orphanage tourism at uh, one time in Cambodia was, it was up there alongside visiting the temples, visiting the um, genocide museums, those kind of things. You know, people considered uh, a trip to an orphanage was, was part of your itinerary for, for a visit. Um, we were very concerned about that. So we wanted to try and, and uh, redress that. And we thought perhaps we need to be quite hard hitting in the in the materials we use, which is why the image for that particular campaign was very very strong. Some some children in a box with tourists taking photographs of them. Um, again, we we're saying what we were saying there was inarguable. Children are not tourist attractions. Nobody can argue with that. 
but we also asked people to think, think before visiting an orphanage. So we directed them to resources where they would find out more about the situation and they'd be able to, to uh, make a, a considered choice. Uh, over the years, it was launched in 2011 and um, up until 2015, we estimate that over 30 million people have seen those materials. Um, but there's still a long way to go, you know. Uh, we, we are very aware that, for example, those materials are in English. Wow. Um, we're looking at how we can address the situation with sending countries who who are from Asia, for example, because many, many visitors mm. from China, from Japan, from Korea are coming into Cambodia, and they may not be as aware uh, of the situation here or of the, the positive alternatives to uh, harmful tourism. So we're trying to translate our materials, the seven tips and other materials, into um, different languages. I think we have about 12 languages at the moment for seven tips. Hmm. I'm trying to disseminate these wider across um, not just Southeast Asia, but into sending countries. So USA and Europe, um, you know, trying to get the messages to people before they actually travel. Yeah, that campaign you guys did, uh, Children Are Not Tourism Attractions, is, is fantastic. And for listeners, we'll have a, a picture of that main piece on our show notes on the website and our photo gallery on uh, Facebook. It basically is a gallery museum type setting with some plexiglass boxes and little kids squished into them and people taking photos yeah. of them. But I mean, it's just such a fantastic image. It's, I think, one of my best campaigns I've seen in the region. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's very strong, but it, uh, it needed to be strong. It needed to stop people in their tracks and get them thinking about what's going on here. Yeah, you know, another thing you talked about, which I didn't realize the figure was 80%, but if 80% of the children in orphanages in Cambodia still have parents, I think it's interesting that you guys also do work with um, disadvantaged children's parents to try and provide economic opportunities for them as well. And to my understanding, that's what the, the crafts that we produce at Friends International are. You have a craft shop in Bangkok, they're in Phnom Penh and Siem Reap. I don't know where yeah. elsewhere, but could you tell us a little bit about your crafts program? Yeah, basically that evolved from um, looking at how do we give economic opportunities to, to caretakers, to the parents themselves. And many of them would say, well, you know, one of the reasons my, my kid's gone into care or one of the reasons my kid's working on the streets is because I'm very poor, I have a big family, um, I can't afford to keep them all in school, so they have to go out to work to support me. I don't have any skills myself. So we would say to them, okay, let's let's look at these situations and let's address them. So uh, let's teach you some skills. Let's do it within your home. So you don't have to leave home. You can continue to look after your other children. Uh, but we can teach you to make things and we can buy those things from you and then we can sell them on in our shops. Uh, and from the profits uh, of those, we can then help support our program. So it becomes a sustainable exercise uh, not just for the families themselves, but also for us as an organization. It reduces our dependency upon, upon external donors. So that's what we did. We created home-based production. So we, we teach mums and dads uh, in their own homes to make products. Um, these products are almost 100% made from uh, recycled or upcycled materials. Um, we use things like old magazines, um, Tetra packs, uh, inner tubes from tires, those kind of things. And we turn it into jewellery, to bags. Uh, we teach people to screen print so we can create t-shirts. And um, they can do it from their own home. So they can stay at home, look after the, the smaller children. 
we just ask them that they use the uh, income, or they use part of the income that they get from us to ensure that their children go to school. And uh, for example, if the kids have been selling stuff on the streets, we say, please stop that, make sure they go to school. And we support the kids to stay in school then, and we, we keep um, monitoring the families, making sure the situation is okay for them. And uh, yeah, we have we have a brand, it's called Friends and Stuff. Great. And uh, as you say, wow. yes, we have shops across the programme areas we operate in. So in Bangkok, here in Phnom Penh, we have a couple of shops up in Siem Reap, uh, over in Laos also. Um, and yes, it's it's a great way of, of uh, empowering people, getting them back on their feet economically, but also helping to keep the family unit together. Hmm. Great work. Very and and the products are fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 we try and be innovative with the products, indeed. Yeah, I, I saw just on Facebook the other day. There's a new raincoat out, and and I'd love to get yeah. one of those. I don't know if they're available in Bangkok yet, but they look pretty slick. They're pretty good. Yeah, I and mean, with the rainy season and full flow, yeah, we need them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, James, I mean, I could talk to you for hours about this, and I really, really thank you for joining us. I've long been an admirer of friends, and I love dining at your various you. restaurants in Cambodia and so forth. So thanks a ton for joining us. We're going to provide links that we talked about. But uh, how do you recommend that people learn more about Friends International and your tips uh, for planning such trips? Certainly the website is, is a great source of information. Um, the tips are on there, okay. the tips for travel, the tips for uh, volunteers. There's a lot more information about how you can be child safe through uh, staying in child safe hotels, hotels that we've trained uh, to be aware of child protection issues. Okay. Um, restaurants, not just our restaurants, but many other organizations running training restaurants. So, yeah, the child safe, uh, I think childsafe.org is, mm-hmm. is a great resource for all, for all travelers, for, for everyone actually, to be, to be much more aware of how they can be protective of children uh, when they travel and in their everyday lives. Fantastic. Well, thanks uh, so much for making time for us, James, and keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Pleasure. Well, Scott, that was even more informative than I expected. Yeah, he's fantastic, and you and I have both... uh, Known of friends and child safe for a long, long time. Uh, I was surprised when he said that that child safe campaign came out in 2011. But yeah, I mean, he had a, a wealth of, of great stuff to share. Yeah, you know, I mean, friends is an awesome organization. They have the restaurants, they have the gift shops. I know that almost everything they do is to try and benefit underprivileged children and their families. Um, but I think it's great to know that they actually do support uh, volunteerism and, and try to steer people in the right direction to find good volunteerism opportunities. Yeah, and I mean, that's the key, right, is making sure whatever you're doing, I think you hit the nail on the head, do you have the expertise, right? Because just going into like build something or do something that you have no expertise in, well, there's locals that know how to do that. Like, why would you go and try and do something you're not an expert in? So make sure you're the expert in it. Make sure that you can contribute well in that particular setting and they're equipped for you and that you're there for a suitable amount of time. And uh, I look forward actually to going and reading those seven tips. It sounds like those are really, really practical things. And that's what I liked is he just shared a lot of practical information. Yeah, because I think uh, we went into this episode kind of thinking that maybe it would be discussing more of the dangers of volunteerism and and, and the problems and stuff. But I think it's great that they have a a much more optimistic angle about the whole thing and and trying to say, hey, if you have skills, there are opportunities for you to share those skills with local people who could benefit from them. Yeah, you know, the positivity is great because I think people, including myself, we tend to focus on the negative aspects or, or what's wrong, whereas 
everything he was saying, and it seems like the organization saying it's just all positive. Like, how can you do good? How can you have a good impact? And I also really like, I've seen this in other organizations, but kind of, I'll call it a 360 approach where it's, it's not just about the kids, but it's realizing that you've got to help the parents. You've got to help the mom and dad and everybody's got to have, you know, a betterment life for, for this to work because often parents send their kids out to beg or work and whatnot because they're poor. But if you can give mom and dad those tools and mechanisms to improve their life too, well then kind of everyone wins and it really helps a long-term cycle of improvement. Yep, uh, Friends International, awesome organization, doing great work. Um, excellent restaurants. That's where I eat a tarantula. Um, <laughs> that's where I. That's where I bought my wallet. Yeah. Um, apparently, they have great raincoats now and can direct you in the right direction to find good volunteerism organizations. So, I would recommend anyone listening to this podcast that would be interested in learning more to to go to chalktravelasia.com and check out our show notes, and we'll have links there um, to to point people in the right direction towards whatever they need. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get better tips and information than from uh, friends and James. Uh, they seem to have it uh, under wraps. So, uh, I'll say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to us. We'll be back in another two weeks for another episode trevor why don't you just take us out yeah this is trevor ranges recording from jakarta indonesia with uh, scott Coates up in bangkok and we thank you all for joining us and uh, we hope you come back to listen again in two weeks thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon hey scott do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Tom and Amber?